0: Our gospel for today is from Luke, the 14th chapter. Now, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and he turned to them and said, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. Yes, this really is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our creator and the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Like many of us during the initial months of COVID when we were isolated, my husband and I decided to take up a new hobby, smoking meats. I'm guessing you're glad I said the word meats there, right? (laughs) Smoking meats. And so we started, we bought a smoker and we started with little things like pieces of chicken and salmon and ribs. Ribs are really good. And then we worked our way up to the big kahuna, smoked brisket, right? And we loved brisket, and we were excited to try this, but man, is that a labor-intensive piece of meat. If you've never done this before, smoked a brisket, the briskets are about this big. They're ginormous, at least 14 pounds, okay? And then when you get it, you have to trim it, which takes like half an hour, because you have to trim off like half the fat and all the little pieces of meat that won't smoke right and cook right. And then on top of that, then you have to season it. And the key to any good brisket is seasoning it really, really, really well. Because if you don't, it doesn't matter how long you smoke it, it's just not gonna have flavor. Okay. And then here comes the tricky part you have to cook it at a very even temperature for 15 hours. A 14 bound biscuit takes anywhere from 13 to 15 hours to smoke. And so if you are not smoking it at a constant temperature of 225, if it goes a little bit above, then it cooks too quickly and the meat is tough. If you cook it at a lower temperature, then the meat becomes dry because you have to cook it longer. So it has to be like right in that 225, 230 range or you are in big trouble, okay? So you smoke it for eight hours, and sometimes you have to start the night before if you want to actually eat this the next day, right? Because that's 15 hours. So the night before, you have to put it in and you smoke it for eight hours, you get up the next morning, you wrap it in butcher paper, you flip it over, smoke it for another six hours, take it out, let it rest for an hour, And then, finally, you can cut into this glorious piece of meat that is absolutely delicious. But like I said, this takes a lot of time and energy and planning in order to make brisket. There's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of paying attention and and babysitting this to make sure everything turns out well. Now, planning and preparations are important in many aspects of life, right? You plan your budget so that you can afford to make your house payments, your car payments, afford to buy food, afford to buy clothes. You plan your schedules around all the different things you need to do, doctor's appointments, kids' sporting events, your own uh, exercise routines, your work. And then you also have those stay-at-home projects that you have to do on the weekends that you have to plan so that you don't start them and then they kind of linger around for months and months and months until you finally get around to finishing them. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. That's a constant problem in our house. Now, what about faith? What might it look like to plan your life around faith? Perhaps faith could be the seasoning in the brisket of life. I don't know. But I believe this idea of planning our lives around faith and including God in our everyday lives is what our readings for today are actually all about. Though it certainly does not seem like it at first. Actually, the first time I took a look at these readings, the first thing I said was, oh, crap. And then... (laughs) And then I thought, man, I hope Pastor Katie appreciates the fact that I am preaching on her first day back, so she does not have to do this today. (laughs) Woo-hoo! Right? Our first lesson looks kind of okay, except that it basically says, if you are good, God will bless you. If you are bad, God will curse you, which leads right into this theology that we do not believe in around prosperity gospel and works righteousness, right? It sets us up to, be, to seek perfection, and if that doesn't happen, there must be something wrong with you, or you must not be trying hard enough. If this person is suffering, God must have smite them, smote them, smote them, right? God must have done something horrible to them because they're suffering, And we know this isn't true. Our world is broken. The world isn't perfect. We all struggle with things, and it's not because God wants us to, period. So what is the purpose of Moses saying this on behalf of God to the people? Well, the context of this is that the people of Israel are finally, after years and years and years, going into the promised land. This is the promised land that was promised not only to them, but way back to their ancestors, back to Abraham, back to that initial promise that carried through all these generations. And God was with them through all of these years, among them, leading them, guiding them, helping them, And now they are going out into the world, into this promised land. And God wants them to remember that God is still with them. God wants to continue to be a part of their lives. Some of us may have had the experience of sending kids off to school or off to college. And as a parent, our only hope is that all the things we try so hard to teach them for years and years and years will actually stick when they're in public so they don't embarrass themselves or us. But this mentality of the love that God puts into God's people is what's behind this. God, our parents, wants us to succeed. God, our parent, wants us to go out remembering that we are called to love all people. We are called to do justice, to walk humbly with God. We are called to proclaim equality, to all, with all people and freedom. This is what Paul emphasizes in our second lesson for today as he writes to Philemon. Now Philemon had a slave named Onesimus who ran away. And we don't know the circumstances of why Onesimus ran away. It could have been a lot of different things. But in order to run away, he probably maybe had to steal something to get away He may have had to do other things that were not a great thing for Philemon. There's lots of possibilities here. And while uh, today, in a world of anti-slavery, we're like yes, Onesimus, go! Back then, Philemon would have really struggled with this. He technically abandoned his post. He let go of all of his responsibilities. And so for Paul to ask Philemon to accept Onesimus back, not only as a slave again, but as a brother instead, that would have been really hard. But again, Paul is challenging Philemon to think about the bigger picture. What is the message that God wants God's people to send and to to live out in the world today. The message at the core is that God wants us to love all people, to create relationships with people, to create and foster relationships that embody love and equality and justice for all people. And then we come to our gospel, which is just the worst, right? Jesus tells us to hate our family and friends, otherwise, we cannot be Jesus' disciple. Pick up your cross and follow me. That's one of the verses I really struggle with, have always struggled with. But hate Jesus, seriously? I don't know what comes to your mind, but the thing that comes to my mind are people who will go into large crowds. And hold up signs that say things like, repent or go to hell. Repent. Jesus is here. Jesus is coming. Jesus saves you. Repent and turn from your evil ways. Avoid the fiery pits of hell. Judgment day is coming. Are you ready? I saw this at Snowflake Lane this year. I mean, come on, of all places. But that's not the Jesus that we know and love, is it? No. In my mind, the Jesus that we know and love would hold up signs like this. God loves you. Right? Pretty simple. Jesus would say, love is love. Whether, no matter where you are on the LGBTQ spectrum, God loves you and encourages you to love other people. Okay? This should be an obvious one. Love your neighbor. Right? We hear this all the time. And your neighbor means anybody and everyone around the world. Jesus would hold up a sign that says black lives matter, I believe. And last but not least, my favorite I think Jesus would stand on a street corner with a sign that says, free hugs. I think Jesus would totally do that because he welcomed children. Jesus is all about love, not about hate. So why does Jesus say this to us today? Jesus often uses hyperbole and exaggerated statements to catch our attention, to catch his listeners' ears, to shock, to get the point across. And Jesus does not in any other place in the Bible say you should hate anybody except for right here. So I think this is what Jesus is doing here. And what's the point of him saying this? Well, Jesus gives us two images to help us out with this, okay? First, he gives the image of building a tower. If you were to go and build a tower, one would hope that you would consider the cost, consider the labor, consider all of the things that go into building this tower before you start building. Otherwise, you lay the foundation, the building isn't built, and well, you're kind of laughed at for being an idiot. The second is when you're going into battle, and a king wants to go into battle, And the other king is thinking, okay, can I even defend myself? This king is coming with 20,000 men. I only have 10,000. One would hope that this king would consider whether or not he could win the war first. He would consider what he has. He would consider how many lives people would lose if this were to happen. And so if he realizes he can't win, then he sends out someone to negotiate the terms of peace instead. Again, this message of preparation and planning and involving God in our preparation and planning is, I think, what the real message is here. Plan and prepare your life around your faith. Include your faith in your everyday life. Now, what does that look like, practically? What does it look like to be a Christian in the world? Well, there are lots of ways that this could show itself. We talked a little bit about those in our children's sermon, just involving prayer in your life, talking about different ways to remember Jesus throughout our week. When I go shopping, I buy products, if I can, that are environmentally friendly or are fair trade, or help a good cause. When I'm planning my calendar or my day, I try my best to include devotion or prayer, regular worship, and hopefully these midweek meals. I'm so excited about these. I hope those will become part of your regular schedule as well. I plan time with my family and friends to strengthen those relationships that support and fill me up. I plan time, yes, for myself, because if I do not have the courage, the strength, if I do not tap into my faith during the week, then I can't support other people either. It's so important to take care of yourself as well. And maybe when you plan your budget, think about how you're spending your money, why you're spending your money the way you do. Now this doesn't change a lot. You still go about your lives. You still have all the plans. You still have those things that, are, are ma- that matter to you, that are important to you. And life is not easy. Balancing those schedules and all the things that life throws at you are, is not easy. And Being a Christian doesn't make it any easier. But I think, in my opinion and in my experience, Incorporating faith into my life does bring me this sense of peace. It sustains me throughout the week. It helps me to grow throughout the week and maybe not let the little things bother me so much. And it adds flavor to life. Just like a good brisket, when you incorporate faith into your life, I think you'll be happy with the end result comment.